This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Mount Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to Savor Production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about Hefeweizen. Yes, very excited about this. Uh, got some cravings, got some cravings. Oh, absolutely. Uh, oh my gosh, right? Uh, as always with these, a drink responsibly. Um, and yeah, just, I have many fond memories of a Hefeweizen. I feel like it was one of those beers I found early on that I felt was a, quote, safe beer to order before I really knew okay. what I liked yeah, yeah, so yeah. much. Um, so I have a lot of good experience. I had, I spent a good amount of time in Belgium and Germany, and I tried so many Hefeweizen, and they were oh. so delicious. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I've never, yeah. I've never been, um, but for sure it was a style that, that yeah, I, I was very fond of right when I kind of first started getting into uh, beer. Uh, beyond like Yingling, which I think was <laughs> the first the first beer that I sort of found uh, tolerable, um, and uh, and yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it's it's just it's just nice. It's nice. It is nice. And even though I felt early on, I felt comfortable getting it. Like I was genuinely aware what it would be. There's a lot of flavor notes that can happen in a Hefeweizen. Oh, absolutely. Like like any other style, um, the exact brewing process is going to greatly influence what you wind up with in a glass. And mm-hmm. and it's I mean, we're gonna get all 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 up into that in a second here. But uh but yeah, no, I I oh I love it. I love I love seeing what 
breweries do and and how they write really tweak stuff just 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 the way that they want it so cool yes it is. It is very cool. You know, listeners, that's one of our very favorite things mm-hmm. to talk about. Uh, and speaking of, you can check out all of our beer episodes. Um, there have been very many at yeah. this point. There have been a bunch. And also a beer video that we did with local brewery Orpheus. Oh, um, right. <laughs> which, by the way, I happened to randomly find some of these videos the other day, and they are so cute and weird. I recommend them. <laughs> <laughs> We were doing things. We were trying some things. And I was like, I love this. Very, love this. very experimental. Yes. It was um, quite experimental. Oh, man. Send me send me those links. I'll try to post them on Twitter or something so that mm-hmm. all y'all can <laughs> enjoy that. Yes. They are very, very fun. <laughs> I uh, thought. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what a what a strange job. Okay. Uh mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So right. So you can check out all of that. But uh but does this perhaps bring us to our question? It does indeed. Hefeweizen. What is it? What is it? What are they? Sure. <laughs> Either. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, Hefeweizen uh, <laughs> is a type of vice beer. Uh, that is beer made from wheat. More on that in a sec. Uh, Hefeweizen specifically is hazy and pale yellow to gold in color with lots of bubbles that give it a sort of like full soft feeling as you drink it. Uh, The flavor is bready and a little fruity to spiced with these smooth notes of uh, banana and maybe bubblegum or or vanilla with a little clove or maybe black pepper. It's um, It's like if perfectly light and fluffy banana pancakes were a beer. Uh, no syrup on those pancakes. That would be that would be too much. Um, it, it's it's like subtle banana bread pancakes, but not sweet in beer form. Yes, I think that is an excellent description because <laughs> you know I struggle to describe foods, but mm-hmm. I've often the banana note I can detect. Yeah, and a lot of hefeweizen, and I've said it. It reminds me of like a less sweet banana bread. So. We oh, are on the same page. Excellent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, the name Hefeweizen uh, literally means yeast wheat. And that's most of what we are dealing with here. Okay. Uh, uh, very brief beer basics. Yes. To get a beer, what you do is uh, slightly germinate and then roast or otherwise dry some grains. Uh, that's your malt. Then you boil your malt with water. And that's your wort. Thank you again, Sheldon, for that pronunciation note. Wort. Um, like wort, wort, wort. Um, uh, and then uh, then add yeast in some way to your wort to get it to ferment. The, uh, the yeasts eat some of these sugars that you've released from the grains through that germination and that boiling. And they excrete alcohol, carbon dioxide, that's the beer's bubbles, and flavor. Uh, so yeast poop. And this is a pretty broad, simple template. And like all the different ways that you can tweak that recipe with different grains, uh, different roasting processes, different yeasts or other friendly microbes, different finishing processes, um, and adding different other stuff at various stages of stuff like hops or fruit or flavorings will give you all of the wildly different styles of beer that are out there. But okay, back to Weissbier. Um, Weissbier uh, literally translates from the German to white beer. 
is a category of beers made with a significant portion of wheat in the grain mix. Uh, etymology side note, the words wheat and white share some etymology, like the proto-Germanic root of, of wheat meant literally that which is white. So there you go. Mm. That's why mm -hmm. it's uh, not wheat beer, but white beer. Yeah. Got it. Anyway, cool. Mm -hmm. uh, so yes, uh, vice beer is a category that covers a lot of ground. Uh, varieties include some stuff that we've talked about before, like some wild fermented sour beers like Lambic and Goza and uh, Berliner Weiss, um, and also Belgian wheat beer uh, like Hogarden. When you're making Hefeweizen, though, uh, okay, uh, traditionally at least half of your grain is going to be wheat, usually more like 60 to 70 percent. And since you're looking for a, uh, a, a yellowish and, and relatively pale color in your finished beer, you're going to roast that wheat and any other grains that you're adding, barley being the most common, very gently. Um, like you don't want them to darken up. So like a nice clean uh, Pilsner malt is typical. Hefeweizen isn't supposed to be particularly bitter, so you're also being gentle with your addition of hops. Uh, you just want to just balance the sweetness of the grains. Where you're getting most of your flavor, though, is from your yeast and how you treat your yeast. There are yeast strains that are traditional to Hefeweizen and other wheat beers um, because they are known to produce these banana and clove flavor molecules, um, especially when you give them wheat um, and higher temperatures than usual to live in. And another fun side note here, not about etymology this time, um, Okay, the, the yeast species usually employed in beer making is Saccharomyces cerevisiae, and some strains of it can indeed produce these banana and clove flavors. But there is another species of yeast used in fermentation, um, pretty often in the wine industry, or sometimes in the wine industry, called Torulospora delbrueckii. We're going to go with that, yes. Uh, at any rate, this, this other type of yeast is also super good at making those particular flavor molecules. And apparently it's not always specified which you're getting when you buy wheat beer yeast. Hmm. Question mark, question mark. Hmm. <laughs> um, I saw I saw a lot of like very specific, like, yes, this is uh, S. cerevisiae, um, but I also saw some that were just like, yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> Me? Yeah. <laughs> Luck of the draw, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, at any rate, um, the whichever type of yeast you've got in there, you're also partially depending on that yeast to create the hazy appearance and the carbonation level of the beer. Uh, to make a really uh, clear beer, something that you could just see straight through, um, you're filtering the yeast out after they've finished working. So you are not doing that here, because uh, right, you want it you want it to to look. Look thick, like a like a like a glass of um, of unfiltered orange juice. Yeah, um, mm -hmm. and for the bubbles, you're probably also adding a little bit more sugar and yeast to the beer when you bottle it, the same way that you would with a sparkling wine, um, to give it a real good crisp pop of carbonation. Yeah, mm -hmm. this is a type of beer that's meant to be enjoyed fresh within like six months or so of packaging, and uh, serving wise. Sometimes, especially in America, Hefeweizen and other vice beer are served with a slice of lemon or orange to set off the, the fruity flavors of the beer and add, you know, like, like cute little visual interest. Everyone likes visual interest. Mm -hmm. I think partially because of this, it's sometimes considered a, a girly beer here in the States. Um, I, I've read 
that meanwhile it's got like like grandmama connotations in South Germany, um, which is where the style as we know it today is from. So I I write in, let me know. Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. They are not served with lemon or orange in Germany, but these types of beer are also sometimes mixed with um with I think sparkling lemonade to create like a low alcohol sort of beer cocktail called a Radler. Mm-hmm. Super tasty. So nice. Oh yes. Mm-hmm. Oh yes indeed. Well, uh what about the nutrition? Drink responsibly. Ooh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I will say that this category tends to be like low to mid in terms of alcohol content, about four to seven percent alcohol by volume. Uh, that seven is is rare. Like you're usually looking like right around like like four, four and a half to five and a half. Uh, so, yeah, uh, not not very heavy, not very sugary. Any sweetness that you're tasting in that beer isn't really because it's a sweet, sugary beer, but rather because it's so not bitter um, that the sweetness of the of the grains comes forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we do have some numbers for you. We have, like, literally one number. <laughs> uh, okay, um, beeradvocate.com uh, lists... 2,226 examples of the Hefeweizen style in its records. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, and I will say, if you're if you're interested in trying one, um, uh, if, if you're in the United States anyway, uh, the 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 highest rated that I saw in a bunch of places, um, not just on Beer Advocate, but but all around the internet. Um, are interestingly to me um, one very old one and one very new one. So that that old one being um, Vihenstefaner Hefeweiss beer. Uh, Vihenstefan being a very long running brewery in Bavaria, and then uh, Live Oak Hefeweizen from Austin, Texas. Oh, yeah, that is a fun dichotomy. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, well. That brings us to the history, and we've got quite a bit of it. Oh, goodness, we always do with these uh, with these beer episodes. But uh, we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from a quick break for a word from our sponsor. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Mother's Day is right around the corner, and in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, 
The co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast, I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, beer is old. (laughs) Uh We've said that several, several times. Uh Uh-huh. You always like to throw in the fact, Lauren. We we had beer before we had wheels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we created alcohol before we created wheels. Uh, not not like Annie and I. Like right but humans. Oh, no. Yeah. Mm-mm. No. Yeah. Of course no. not. I again. Mm. I cannot say whether or not I am an eternal vampire. So uh, <laughs> I would be impressed if you'd live that long as a vampire. I honestly would right? be just impressed with you. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> And beer is often tied to our history with wheat and perhaps Mm -hmm. trying to make bread-like things. Mm -hmm. Um, So the oldest instance of wheat brewing may have taken place 10,000 years ago and probably even further back than that. Mm -hmm. Um, People like to argue a lot about beer. I bet that surprises no one. Um, (laughs) And some argue that because of this, wheat-style beer is one of the oldest styles of beer in existence. And this was likely due to farmers gathering grains and letting them ferment. It was kind of this accidental thing that just happened. Yeah. Because grains were around. Before we had even really domesticated those grains, sure. Exactly. But who knows? Not us, but that is... Mysteries of history. (laughs) Mysteries of history. That's what some historians think. Uh, Europe's history of the fermentation of wheat dates back to at least 800 BCE, specifically to Bavaria. Um, And from this, it didn't take long for wheat-based brewing to take hold in Europe, though there were major ebbs and flows Mm -hmm. of this whole thing. Um, Some say that similar styles may have been brewed at the... Vihenstefanen or Vihenstefanen. I told Lauren what to say, so if she got it wrong, it's my fault. But this is just what I've always heard. Uh, Brewery in 1040 CE. Um, The 1500s was when it really started showing up in the historical record, these types of beers, especially in Germany, where wheat grain was fairly abundant. 
Um, and as we've discussed in previous beer episodes, there was a lot of taxation going on around beer in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same is true for Hefeweizens. That's like a whole, every time I have to read these like tax documents about beer, my brain is just like, <laughs> no, we can't, <laughs> we can't do this. It is too much. It is simply too much. And I think that it, it was designed specifically that way on purpose. I, I agree with you, Lauren. I do. Um, according to a few sources, the ruling clan of Dagenberger, the Dagenberger region of Bavaria, were the first to commercially brew wheat beers in that area. And they monopolized the business by requiring a royal license for anyone else who wanted to brew it, which I understand that they really didn't give out. Huh, <laughs> so, okay. again, making things complicated for people. Um when their line died out in the 1600s, that license passed to Duke Maximilian I, who sought to extend the license to all lands in Bavaria. Um, and through this, the first vice brewery in Munich opened soon after he took control. However, this is one of a handful that were operating in Europe over the next 200 years. And from what I understand, at least in the historical record, was like the one of one <laughs> for a long yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, there weren't many. There weren't many. Um But okay, let us step back a bit to a huge beer event we've discussed in a lot of our beer episodes. Uh Uh-huh, because frequently we're like, well, this style almost died out, and this is one of the reasons. Yep, Uh, and the reason being the 1516 German purity law, Reinheitsgebot. Reinheitsgebot. Let's hope I didn't butcher that completely. Um, I'm not sure. Basically, this prohibited the brewing of beers that used non-barley grains and additives, including wheat beers, in part for safety and in part simply for control. Um, Bavaria adopted this, this law too, but a lot of brewers weren't too happy about it because oftentimes the resulting beers were low quality. Um, so some started to defy the law, doing their own thing, Uh, including brewing wheat beers. They had something going in their favor, too. Wheat beers were popular amongst royalty. Uh Oh, yes, always good. So in the 1520s, a single brewery in Bavaria was allowed to brew brew this kind of wheat beer at first. Um, But the number did grow, grow more than one. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. However... That period was followed by a declining in popularity of these styles of beers as dark lagers became the beer of choice. And that declining popularity hit those handfuls of breweries hard that were making this wheat-style beer. Yeah, um, Many of them ended up closing during the 1700s. That Munich brewery that we mentioned, uh, it remained open and continued to offer wheat beers, but at a much lower output, and eventually it resorted to contracting out the brewing of it, so they weren't even doing it anymore. Hmm. Um, By 1812, the number of breweries producing this style may have been as little as two. Wow. Yeah, almost died out indeed. Um, Because of this, the royalty that owned the license of brewing Hefeweizens gave it up in 1778, making this brewing style public. Several breweries began experimenting with the style on smaller scales, offering it alongside more popular options in Europe like lagers, lagers at the time. However, a brewer named George Schneider often gets the credit for reinvigorating this style after he purchased a brewery in Munich and really started pumping out these wheat-style beers, allegedly tripling the brewery's output. Um, so he was really into it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> mm-hmm. When European colonists arrived to North America, the Hefeweizen style of beer came with them. However, most say that the 1980s, so that's a huge jump, Uh um, 
is when American brewers really started testing the style out, um, which we've talked about in a lot of our beer episodes as sort of this like craft revival after Prohibition and those like really sugary cocktails of the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1986, Portland-based Vidmer Brothers Brewing launched their Hefeweizen-style beer, and it helped make sure that uh, the Hefeweizen style had a space as this craft beer movement in the United States was revitalized. Um, and this this beer is often called the start of the American Hefeweizen. Yeah, um, and the the Widmere or Vid- Vidmere Brothers uh, Brewery were working, you know, like with the equipment and the ingredients that they had. Um, so the first American Hefeweizen were a little bit different made with other strains of uh, top fermenting ale yeast um, other than the like traditional vice beer ones. Um, and they were, and so they, so they weren't getting um, those kind of fruity flavors that you expect from a Hefeweizen. So instead they were using carefully chosen hops to help add those fruity flavors that, that you're looking for. Um, so the American styles definitely started out a little bit more like bitter or, or bracing or like juicy um, than Bavarian Hefeweizen. As the craft beer movement picked up, though, uh, Weiss beer yeast became available here. And so, yeah. Options galore now. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how it went from here are these two breweries that we knew of at one time to so many <laughs> different yeah. types. Yeah, it, it's 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 a it's such an interesting style to me because I I think it has a lot to offer. It can be such a beautiful beer. Um, I mean, not not fl- flavor wise. Um, it's just it's just nice and kind of clean and crisp. Um, but it has that haze and that little bit of fruitiness and spiciness to it. And so like like I I really like it. But I but I think that right, it's got this reputation as being either girly or like too easy drinking because it doesn't hit you in the face with hops (laughs) um Uh and so you know like and since it's right less bitter it's like oh man like that's a that's a beer for inexperienced drinkers um and I guess you know both of us were saying at the top that it's something that we got into early on in our exploration of the world of beer so maybe maybe there's a little bit of something to that like but just because something is like like for like okay for beginners doesn't mean that it's not good for everyone else Oh, yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason something is easy drinking, and that's not bad. Yeah. Um, And also, like, I love fruity elements. Yeah. That's not bad. And some of the best beers I've ever had, even as a more experienced beer drinker, have been Hefeweizen. Um, Heck, yeah. I think they can just have a lot of subtleties and flavors and a lot of very interesting flavor combinations. Yeah. that are going on. And also, like, this might be particular to me, but there was this kind of guy who took me under his wing. He was a big beer drinker. Um, really great guy. Uh, but <laughs> I'm making this sound so much stranger than it is. <laughs> he just, he really, he was really into beer. And I contacted him when I turned 21 and I was like, what should I do? Aww. He, he Aww. loved Hefeweizen. So part of that was, huh. for me as a new drinker, he was just like, these are, these are some I really like. And he still liked them, uh, even as an experienced beer drinker. But he knew that they were also... Like, approachable. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that guy. I still remember that. Thank Aww. you. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, mm-hmm. goodness. Um, yeah, if, if y'all have any uh, favorite uh, favorite 
breweries uh, of Hefeweizen or other Weiss beer or of whatever um, mm-hmm. or uh, uh, yeah, any other any other personal experience with it, um, especially. Oh, goodness. I would love to hear. I would love to hear from someone who has experience hanging out in southern Germany and Bavaria yeah. and uh, what the attitude towards these beers is there. Yes. Yes. Please let us know, um, because that's what we have to say about Hefeweizen for now. It is. Uh, We do have some listener mail for you, though, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with listener Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. Roller coaster. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. Mother's Day is right around the corner. And in true She Pivots fashion, we're highlighting moms who've dedicated their lives and their pivots to supporting mothers. The iconic Christy Turlington will join us to talk about launching Every Mother Counts after pivoting from her 90s supermodel days. And later, the co-CEOs of Baby to Baby will share how they're addressing the needs for millions of babies and moms. So tune in and subscribe to She Pivots. New episodes out every Wednesday. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex and then he's very vulnerable so you can kill him easily to die for is available now listen for free on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts like bubbles carbonation uh i I, your audio cut out immediately when you started doing that, so I have no idea what it sounded like, but the visual mm-hmm. was good. The, Thank you. Yeah. I hope 
I, I'm, I'm sure it's interesting. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sure it's interesting. They usually are. Yeah. They usually are. Well, I could hear you and it sounded good. So Great. we'll see. We'll Into see what that. happens. <laughs> um, ben wrote, hope you're both doing well. Just finished listening to the Doctor Who episode, which brought back a lot of nostalgia for me. I haven't watched it in a number of years, but will always remember Fish Fingers and Custard. <laughs> I want to respond with a couple of things on the Guinness Storehouse. The room you remember, Annie, that's all white with the smoke, is the tasting room, where they explain the various ingredients, and the smoke comes from the aromalizers. May have that word wrong, as may I. <laughs> um, they then give you a tiny glass of Guinness, which you take through to another room decorated to look like Arthur Guinness's study, and they teach you how to drink a Guinness. The complimentary pint is given to you in the gravity bar, which is the top floor and is all glass. They have recently, in early 2022, I think, doubled this in size, and you can get a full 360-degree view across Dublin on the three days a year when it's not cloudy or raining. <laughs> um, so glad to hear you both want to visit Ireland, and if you need any more incentive, I promise I will get my partner to make you fresh Guinness bread. Hers is the best, in my opinion, as she adds treacle, which makes it richer and cakier, and it is so good fresh out of the oven. Hope you both can make it to the Emerald Isle one day. Oh. Oh, us too. I mean, <laughs> and, I mean, you're promising us bread, Guinness bread. That's like 75%. Yeah. I mean, we wanted me. to go before, but there's bread involved. Yes. Mm -hmm. Fresh yes. bread. Yeah, that does sound, that does sound really delightful. Um, uh, thank you. Thank you for the extra details about, yes. uh, I love I love kind of goofy touristy stuff like that. I re I really I really want to go to there. Yes. Oh, I think we'd have a great time. I told you I was really impressed. I was kind of like overwhelmed, which I think is what they're going for. Okay. Um, yeah. But in a in a way that was manageable. <laughs> Good. That's great. <laughs> manageable overwhelm. But yes, I'm glad you reminded me of what the because I remembered the white smoke room, but I couldn't quite recall what was going on in there. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, heck. <laughs> uh, Swati wrote, I started listening to y'all when the podcast started as Food Stuff. In fact, I found the podcast only a couple of weeks after you launched it. In March of 2017, I moved to Washington, D.C. from California to do an exchange program for the spring and summer semesters. This temporary move was a big deal for me as it gave me the opportunity to attend a school I had fallen in love with three years prior but unfortunately could not attend. When the opportunity to do this study abroad came up, I jumped at the chance to go back to a place that made me feel at peace. During this time, I started commuting to work every day because I got an internship in the city. However, I didn't know how to occupy the 15-minute walk and 20-minute train ride. That's where y'all came in. From the beginning, both of you kept me company as I commuted to work and got a taste of what it was like to live in my dream city. I had to leave D.C. to go back to school in San Francisco, but I still had wonderful memories. Both of you have kept me company through graduating college, the pandemic, a new job, and a multitude of adulty responsibilities. In fact, every time I heard your voices, it reminded me of the joy I felt when I was finally in D.C., I decided that this year I was going to throw it to the universe and apply for the MBA program at my dream school in D.C. Lo and behold, I actually got in. <laughs> I packed up my entire life in California and made the journey across the country. I am now writing to you from Washington, D.C., where I finally get the chance to go to my dream school, all while riding a commute very similar to the one I had five years ago. 
Thank you both for keeping me company through the good times, the bad times, the hard times, and the sad times. You both and the podcast hold a special place in my heart because I associate it all with a time and place that made me feel the most at peace. Aww. Oh, goodness. Well, congratulations. That's amazing. Yes. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> that is so cool. Yes. Yes. And that's that's so lovely to hear. And I'm so glad we could have been there for you in all of these times. Um, and hopefully in the future. And we've always enjoyed hearing from you because you've yes, written several times. You have. And thank you. So good to have the update. Yeah, exactly. I love the time when you wrote it about our burger episode and you were like, <laughs> you're going to talk about Bob's Burgers. And we talked about Supernatural. Um, <laughs> but we did eventually talk about Bob's Burgers. But yes, we appreciate you so much. Um, and yes, this update was lovely. And congratulations. Yes. Uh, that's that's so good. You guys are doing so good. Yes. Yes, we appreciate you all and love you all so much. Yeah. Um, and, yes, yeah, speaking of, thanks to both of these listeners for writing. If you would like to write to us, we would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. And we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. We just dropped our Pride 24 collection. Queer founded, queer run, and creating size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies. So you feel comfortable in your own skin. Visit TomboyX.com to shop. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event. So give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view. An endless field of wildflowers. Or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824.